Just before we launch into today's podcast, I just wanted to say a special thank you to Dara for reaching out. Dara lives in Philadelphia and she is a listener to the podcast and when she has heard other interviews she really felt that she had something that she would like to share and like to give and I am so thankful that she did. This is a really really interesting really really good podcast and I felt blessed to be able to have the conversation with her. So remember if you love this podcast head over to iTunes or SoundCloud give us some love give us some five stars share it with your friends family anyone that you think that needs to hear it and enjoy today's show. Hi, so welcome to another episode of the Warrior Woman Project podcast. This is Junior Warrior Woman here, and today I have got Dara Lyons with me, who is all the way from the United States of America, Philadelphia, that it is your run, isn't it? Yes, yes, Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, welcome to the podcast. Um, why don't you introduce yourself and a little bit about what it is that you do? Sure. Thank you so much, Jen, for having me. It's great to be here. Um, so yeah, my name is Dara Lise Lyons, and I am a writer. I am a coach. I speak. I do comedy, improv, and acting, and I teach yoga. So I do a whole lot of things, but uh, essentially what I love to do is I love to work with people to transform their lives by telling different stories um, to themselves and and to the world about who they are and and, and what they want to get out of life. Yeah, it's an awesome and interesting thing to do because we were having a conversation just before we recorded about when people are diagnosed with illnesses and the stories that they can tell, that they can tell themselves, which will then impact on how they deal with whatever it is that's been put in front of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, whether it be illness or just any, um, any topic, people can tell a story from a way that is very disempowering and leaves them with very few choices, or they can tell a story from a a place that is, um, is freeing and allows them a whole plethora of different options. And I feel like really, uh, it's just a, sometimes it's just a subtle shift in mentality can change the course of someone's entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that people come to you when they start working with you and that's what it is that they're looking for? Is that change in storytelling? Yeah. You know, actually it's very interesting. I find that my individual clients, my one-on-one coaching clients, they'll often come to me for something completely different, you know, so they'll come to me for, help because they don't really know, you know, they, they want to lose a few pounds or they come to me because they have a question about what's going on in their marriage or they, you know, or they um, are writing and they're having trouble getting published. And so they'll want to talk about that. And really in the course of our work together, what'll come up will be certain fears that they've been harboring um, for a long time. It'll be self-esteem issues where they don't really, they've been telling themselves the story that they're not good enough or they don't deserve what they really want or they owe it to some person in their life who might not even be in their life anymore, but they owe it to that person to stay with the same fixed identity or what, you know, and, and so what happen is as we work together, I find that, Sometimes logistic planning is necessary and people really need a roadmap for where to go. But more often than not, it's almost like we work together to change their paradigm and their belief system. And we work together to give them permission 
to get where they want to go. And then that roadmap becomes such an easy part of the process. Yeah. 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 I think when you have that preconceived idea of how life is going to pan out and then that's the path you're trying to stick to, but the universe is trying to pull you off it to go, that's the wrong way. That's the wrong way. And you're ignoring it. It's such a battle. Yeah, absolutely. And Jen, I feel like the universe always wants our highest good, you know, and and wants to move us in the direction that is best for us. But that whole process of of human resistance and wanting to control can just so get in the way. And I think about myself and um, some of the life choices I made that really prevented me from realizing my goals for years. And then finally, as I started getting out of my own way and realizing that I was the problem, life opened up and these amazing new paths and, and new possibilities came to me that I never would have thought of or been able to control or you know, finagle myself. So it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Where do you think that that needs to try and stick with that path comes from? Well, you know, it's, I'm a big fan of um, sort of other teachers and leaders and coaches. And I, I know um, Anthony Robbins, who's the big sort of life coach and um, when I, he talks about how human beings have a need for certainty and a need for uncertainty. And I think Some people, myself included, have an overdeveloped need for certainty. Uh, And so I think that's part of the desire to control. It's a a desire to know the outcome. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that if I can have a trust, like a really bone deep trust in the universe or a trust in spirituality, a trust that there's something working for my highest good, then I have less of a need to know exactly how things are going to happen. So for me, the like faith and control have this sort of inverse relationship and the less faith I have, the more I need to control and the more, yeah. you know, faith I have, the less I need to control. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like lots of teachers will say that believing in that power that's beyond you is so important to your overall health, well-being and happiness. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's something that I, I know that I have fought for years because I was brought up Catholic. I went to Catholic primary school. My mum my mom's Catholic. We used to go to mass every Sunday and it never felt like the right thing for me. And I was like, mm. and then when I was old enough to say I'm not going to church anymore, I stopped going stopped going to mass with, with my yes. family. And then I felt kind of lost because I didn't have something, but I knew that that wasn't the right thing for me, that particular religion and stuff wasn't for me. So I then went on my own journey of trying to find out what that other thing was. And there was a phase where I was like, I don't believe in anything, but I, like you're saying, I felt like I had to try and control everything because it it was all down to me. Everything was my responsibility. Yes, yes, (laughs) absolutely. Well, and let me ask you, how, how have you landed with that? What, what did you ultimately arrive, arrive at in terms of... For me, the, the whole the universe moves in its vibrations. Um, and looking at different, like I've looked at a few different religions, not in depth, but the underlying like message for all of them is respect everybody around you, love everybody around you, trust that there is a greater power than you, whether that's yeah. Buddha or... Ganesh or 
Ali or whoever. Like, yeah. it's just believe in something that's for the greater good. Yeah. Whatever you yeah. call it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that Absolutely. works for me. And if somebody yeah. wants to believe in God or whoever, totally respect that. That's your choice. That's your thing. This is nothing. Yeah. 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 Well, I like to say I'm a spiritual pragmatist. So I, I feel like whatever your spirituality is, if it's working for you, great. And if it's not, then it needs to change. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So you, you were telling me before we came onto the call a little bit about your backstory of how before you had a different life before you had this coaching, writing Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I can definitely speak to that. So I used to work in finance. I worked for a hedge fund and I worked from seven in the morning till seven o'clock at night. And I was, I I like to say I'm a recovering type A personality because I'm still (laughs) sort of a type A personality, but I'm working less. And, um, and I had a rampant eating disorder. I spent, I was in and out of treatment, I think 18 times, um, long-term, uh, you know, residential treatment centers. And, um, and I just, I felt like underneath everything, all the choices I was making, and I was also very promiscuous for a period of time. And I think all the choices that I was making, what was underneath them was this deep sense of self-hatred and um you know I feel like part of my my quest to part of my path to live this life that I'm currently living came from this recognition that I wasn't being at all authentic and that I really needed to find my authentic self and figure out who I was underneath everything and I feel like I've been spending well, I'll probably spend the rest of my life doing that, but I'm a heck of a whole lot closer to the person I'm meant to be and the person I think I always was before all that self-hatred and self-abuse got in the way. Yeah. Yeah. What triggered you to make that change? Well, it's actually really interesting. I was seeing a therapist because, you know, I had this eating disorder and I knew I had problems, but I wasn't really wasn't really willing to deal with that. I mean, I thought I was dealing with them, but I wasn't really willing to deal with the underlying things. And so she suggested we just, I kept going in every week and nothing was changing and nothing was changing. And she said, you know, I think you should go to yoga. I think you really, there's a huge disconnect between your mind and your body. I would like you to start doing yoga. And that was a change I was willing to make. I wasn't willing to make a lot of the other changes that she suggested, but I was willing to do that. And so I went to my first ever yoga class and I sat on this yoga mat and the teacher turned out all the lights and she said at the very beginning of class, she said, you know, take a deep, I want you to take a deep breath and feel your feelings. And I took a deep breath and I cried for the next hour and a half. I was so glad that the lights were off, but it was like, I never, I didn't sit with myself and my feelings. And so having that experience of being confronted with what was going on in my body on a deep and visceral level, it, it changed my entire life. And it did take a few months after that, I think for me to be willing to 
leave finance and go into long-term treatment and then come out and realize, you know what, I'm not going back to that life. I need to be more authentic and I want to be, I want to do yoga and I want to be a writer and those kinds of things. But, it, but that was for me, the beginning of the end of self-destruction was, you know, sitting with myself. Yeah. Yeah. Although you were sitting in a dark room, somebody had turned a light on for you and said, come this way come this way (laughs) I never thought of it that way before but yes and I guess I would say that the intuition is like a flashlight leading Mm. us out of the darkness I think the the there there are deep truths that the body carries and that we know within ourselves you know as human beings when all the clutter is cleared away and you can just sort of settle in and drop into to the knowing, the deep knowing of, of what is and what isn't gonna gonna work for you. Yeah. So do you use meditation for for that then or do you have another technique? Um now I meditate about 20 minutes a day, I think, and I, I love that practice. If I miss a day, it feels I feel off a little yeah. bit. Um but when I first got into recovery and when I first started to quest for a meaning deeper than myself and, you know, and my self-destructive cycles, I could sit for maybe on my own without like help or without a a group. I could sit for maybe between two and five minutes Mm -hmm. by myself because my mind was just worrying and then I would cry and then I would get angry and then I would cry. And so five minutes, felt like five hours in the beginning for me um, when I first started meditating but now it's a calming practice and I and I love it and I think it's because my body's a safer place to live in today I'm not self-destructive and I think um and and I feel better in my body and I have less of a mind-body disconnect on a daily basis and I think that um it, it almost felt like trying to resuscitate someone who who'd been catatonic or something you know in the beginning it felt like I was reinfusing life in a in a corpse I mean it was a it was a very weird experience in the beginning and now it's more of a coming home yeah yeah definitely when I first started to do meditation it it was difficult to sit and you're like oh my god I can't sit for and it's finding for me it was finding ways like things almost distractions whether it was music or whether it was reading something to just be able to sit and put that focus in and then the more I practice that like anything that your your muscles the more you practice it the easier it gets and then I could sit in the silence and then the couple of minutes grew to five minutes grew to 10 minutes and now I'm 20 minutes as well and if I don't do as much as 20 minutes and I'm only doing I'll just stick a quick 10 minutes in I don't feel like I quite get the same benefit as if I managed to sit for the 20 minutes yeah but it's better than nothing right well I I actually heard at one point it was a spiritual advisor and I'm not sure who it was anymore but um he was giving a talk about meditation and he said you know every morning I wake up and I meditate for an hour and I, I, you know, I come home to myself and someone in the audience raised their hand and they said, you know, Oh my gosh, an hour. What do you do on the days when you're super busy? And this, um, and he said, uh, well, you know, Oh, on those days I meditate for two hours. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not there. I do 20 minutes. Yeah. No matter what the day or, or whatnot. And occasionally I miss. 
but I always thought that was such a profound yeah. comment. It's sort of the more scattered life is, the more grounded one needs to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you notice it, and like you were saying, you notice in the days you don't do it, everything just feels a little bit off center. And yes. all, all you're doing is just allowing the glitter and the snow globe to, to fall down to the bottom and settle before it all gets shaken up again for the rest of your day. Yeah, well, and I find that that practice of kind of settling in and coming back to me and checking in with my intuition and checking in with my inner voice which is how I meditate now. It's, yeah. I, I really try to quiet the external noise and think about as I'm sitting, you know, what, how do I feel and what's going on in my body and what do I want? And the practice of doing that for the 20 minutes that I sit by myself with no external distractions, it strengthens those muscles so that over the course of my day, I find I make better choices. Mm. Um, and on a regular basis, I'm more guided by my intuition than I was before I started practicing checking in with myself. So now I kind of, you know, I'll get gut feelings about, yeah, I want to pursue this friendship or this relationship, or you know what, that's not the right path for me or those kinds of things. And I don't know that I would really be in tune with that if I didn't have the daily practice of yeah. trying to tune into myself. Yeah. Because yeah, it's almost like turning down the volume on the external so you can turn up the volume on the internal because it's been silenced for most of yeah. us for so long. Because you yeah. don't get taught meditation as a kid. So I think they do now in some schools here they do start teaching kids about meditation. Yeah. Depends on your teacher but yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that, I mean, also you talked about sort of quieting down the external. I think there's such an emphasis on, you know, if this thing outside of myself, if this external thing changes, then I'll be happy. Mm. But what I've learned is that, you know, regardless of externals, I can be happy or conversely, I can have everything I want externally and still be miserable. I mean, when I worked in finance, I had a great job, with the, you know, a six-figure salary, and I had all the, you know, bells and whistles and all that kind of stuff, and I was dying inside. I was miserable, and so I feel like it's, it's very helpful for me, anyway, to have that awareness of, you know what, like, I the external I do think is important and I think it reflects the internal condition sometimes, but I, I feel like that's not really where the locus of, of focus should be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now you mentioned um, about finding your authentic self. Yes. What, yes. for somebody listening going, okay, I need to go and find my authentic self. How would you explain that to somebody? Um, well, that's a great, I think what I would say is that um, when I was a little kid, I loved dancing, I loved music, I loved writing, I would make up stories, I was, you know, I enjoyed being by myself for hours on end, just like making jewelry and telling, you know, random stories and, and then for whatever reason, and there, there were a multitude of reasons in my life, but for, you know, for all those reasons, I got farther and farther away from that sense of magic and those th those early childhood interests that I had. And, um, and so 
one of the things that I think is important to finding the authentic self is about rediscovering things that I once loved that lit me up inside. I don't know that that always applies to everyone. I mean, you know, sometimes maybe you loved GI Joes as a child and now, you know, you have no interest in GI Joes, but I think still finding that capacity to re-engage with one's playfulness and finding the capacity to find joy and magic in some area of life is a huge part of, of self-discovery for me. Um, I think another part is I talked about having a lot of self-hatred and I think that that self-hatred gets in the way of being able to, you know, just being able to like yourself enough to have fun with yourself and to be in the world in a, in a, a status of like inquiry and curiosity. And so for me, I needed to do a lot of work on figuring out, well, why do I hate myself and how do I let that go? Because I'm so much kinder to others than I am to me. Mm. And that, and I don't want to be that way. I want to be kind to myself. I want to be compassionate with myself. I have people in my life who are telling me I'm great, but I can't see it. So how do I remove whatever, you know, glasses I've got on that are, that are making me see myself as such a defective person worthy of such hate and and animosity. So, yeah. Where do you think that comes from that self-loathing? Because I, I have never spoken to anybody that's not gone through at some stage in their lives, where where would you, you think that happens for people? Yeah, so I think it happens differently for different people, but I think it, it happens based on the story and the interpretation that we tell ourselves about an event. So, for example, um, you know, in my past, I I was sexually abused, and I told myself that that was my fault. And I think that, you know, had I fed myself a different message, a message that, you know what, like that happened to you and you're still a good person and you're still lovable and, you know, you're still, like it wasn't your fault and, um, you know, and I love you anyway. Like, I feel like I would have maybe not turned that self-hatred inward so much, but I had, I created this mythology around, oh, well, this thing happened to me and it was my fault and, I'm a bad person because this kind of stuff doesn't happen to good people. Um, so that's an example. You know, I also had um, a very, a very toxic stepfather situation. And I told myself that, you know, oh, well, if your mom just loved you more, if you were just more lovable, then she wouldn't let him be so mean to you. And, you know, like, so I think it, it really comes from, we talked about certainty and control earlier. And I think there's an illusion of control that comes from saying that things are my fault or my responsibility. Because if if it's my fault that it happened, then maybe if I just fix something in myself, it won't happen anymore. The problem with that is that it does sometimes lead to self-hatred and self-abuse. And so I think if if a person can go through something, which we all go through things in life, and I think if a person can go through something and say, well, okay, what are the lessons I want to learn from this experience? But, you know, and maybe even ask, did I make any mistakes that contributed, but not turn it into, oh, I am a mistake because Mm -hmm. this thing happened to me. Yeah. 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 It can be 
quite I think if it's a young like if you're a young person a young child and yeah. something like that happens that can be quite challenging to have the knowledge and experience to be able to turn to turn that yeah. around and it's not adult life that you have to try and heal those wounds yeah I don't think kids can. I think there's something in the childhood psych psychological development and there have been a bunch of studies and whatnot, but the, the you know, children are meant to be self-centered. They have a highly developed ego. And you, I mean, I, I remember as a kid, I used to think if I died, the whole world would cease to be, you know, like, I mean, there's just like, there's a self-centeredness that happens in childhood. And so I think it takes an adult coming in to Explain, you know, yes, this thing happened, but it's not your fault and it's not your responsibility. And I'm so sorry. And what do you need? Like, what love can I give you to help you um, integrate this experience while still loving yourself? And I think if that doesn't happen in childhood, then we have to be the adults to come in for ourselves and do that work yeah. with our own inner children who are still injured and who haven't healed and haven't figured it out yeah. yet. Because that's, um, I'm guessing, because you mentioned uh, Tony Robbins, that you know a bit about NLP, and that's one of the, the sort of techniques in NLP that they use, is going back and speaking to yourself as a child to yes. give the love, give forgiveness, give whatever it is, so that yes. you can free up some of that baggage that you're holding on to. Yeah, absolutely. And you had, um, you know, you mentioned with spirituality, sort of, that there's all these different disciplines and all these different... Mm modes that are available to people. And I think that's true for healing old wounds. You know, there's NLP, there's EFT, which stands for um, the emotional freedom technique. You know, there's hypnotherapy, there's psychotherapy, there's psychodrama, there's, you know, I mean, I, the list goes on and on. Yeah. And so I kind of feel like in the same way as spirituality, whatever works for someone, yeah. yes, they should do that thing. Um, and from my perspective, I really like when I'm working with people to help them get curious. Well, first, I guess, to help them identify that they've been living with some lies and yeah. operating some things that are not true. And then to allow them to get curious about, well, so if we know that that's not true and that you don't have to feel that way about yourself, what modes of, of, um, of healing work do you want to, you know, do, do you want to do what resonates with you? And for me, it's the same thing with spirituality and self-healing and with modes of exercise and movement and modes yeah. of physical healing. You know, there's different, there's no one size fits all approach. And, um, and so I think some of the joy can be in finding and discovering just different possible ways to heal these things. I, I don't know. I, I think there can be great fun in that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think hearing other people's stories so that you know that everybody has a journey. That's one of the reasons I do this podcast is so that other people can get to hear a whole variety of different people's stories and experiences so that they can go, oh, I'm not alone here. Because feeling yeah. alone is like one of those things that really holds you back from healing. Yeah, absolutely. Feeling alone and also feeling like your problems are the worst problems. I know that um, I think there's like this, uh, this parable that says that if everybody, you know, if we took 100 people, put them in a room with all their problems, and all and each of the 100 people put their problems in the center of the room, most of us would choose 
to take our own problems back and not share yeah. something <laughs> from And so I think just kind of stripping away the mythology that that there are people out there who have these easy, you know, lives that are just like, you know, because what we see on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, those are people's highlight reels. Those yeah. aren't, that's not what's going on under the surface. So I think it's helpful to acknowledge like, okay, I've got this set of issues, but they're my issues. And so how can I own them? And how can I, you know, move forward, not in spite of these issues, but using the lessons, using the, the character traits that came from them that are positive and, and, you know, and can help me get where I want to go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So a question that's just kind of popping into my head here, which is possibly taking, going to take us off on a completely different yeah. tangent here, but you do, you said that you do um, like comedy improv. Do you incorporate that into the coaching stuff that you do with your clients or is that something on a different spectrum? Sure. So I do comedy improv really for fun and because it's, um, I used to do acting as a child, but what I like about comedy improv is that there's no homework. <laughs> I didn't want a hobby where I had homework. Uh, so with comedy improv, you know, I can, it's, it's fun and it's just guaranteed playtime. But there is a principle in comedy improv, which is to say yes and, which essentially just means that if someone says something to you, don't negate their experience, say yes to their experience, and then add something or, you know, bring some extra value to their offer. And so I feel like that does definitely inform my coaching work because a lot of people say no to, in life and they say, but a whole lot. And, um, and so to be able to meet someone with an attitude of, okay, you know, this is what you're telling me. Yes, I completely understand where you're coming from. And how can I help you move forward? Or, and what can we add to that? What can we do with that? And I, so I feel like um, just having that perspective and having a playful attitude in general does help me work more effectively as a coach. Yeah. Yeah, I did tiny little bit, little, tiny little bits of improv. Um, they don't really have much in Glasgow. Um, they have yeah. quite a lot over in Edinburgh because obviously Edinburgh Festival is really big and they have more of that sort of stuff. And so there's been a couple of opportunities for me to go along. And it's just that when you go and do the improv, you have to get out your own heads yes. and just drop all the bullshit that you're telling yourself of, I'm not good enough. And just yeah. go with it. And you don't have time to overthink anything because it is instant, instant, instant. And then you come away going, oh my God, that was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was so much fun. And I and people will often say, oh my gosh, that was so fun. I don't remember any of it, you know, yeah. they'll say. Because it's like they were so in the moment. Yeah. Um, and in that way, it can sometimes feel like meditation or something. Like you just lose yourself in it. And that time flies. And it yeah. feels like, it, it feels like a real form of, authentic self-expression because because everything as you were saying just everything extraneous gets stripped away and you're just actively engaged in the moment what's happening with you what's happening with the other people on stage um and mistakes don't really matter in improv i mean i you know in every show people make mistakes every show that i'm a part of but those mistakes are kind of funny and yeah. and, and the audience laughs and stuff and so i think it helps 
take ourselves less seriously. Yeah, the mistakes are quite often what makes the situation. Yes, yes, which, absolutely. Which is the same in serious life. It's through the mistake that's happened that you realise, yeah, that was good or no, that wasn't good. How do I fix it? And then you overcome those kind of obstacles. Yeah. Well, and I love, I mean, I think if in real life you can infuse a sense of humor, even as the mistakes are happening or even in the midst of the situation, it, it lightens things up so much. And it really, um, I don't know. I mean, I think it, it allows for creative possibilities to come to the surface, creative problem solving possibilities. If it's just not such a doom and gloom attitude. Yeah. Yeah. I like to be on the sunny side of the street when shit goes wrong. Honest. I feel like sometimes I, I, I go from the sunny side to the not so sunny side of the street, but I'm getting better at self-correcting. And, um, and I think that's, that's why it's good to work with other people and have coaches and, you know, and, and all that. Cause I think sometimes you can't necessarily get yourself to the sunny side. I think sometimes yeah. to have a friend or a coach or a therapist or, you know, just other people in your life who can say, you know what, like, you might want to look at it differently. Or yeah, how definitely. About this thing. Yeah. 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 They're just yeah. there to hold your hands across the street. Absolutely. <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 So what else have you got going on in your world just now? Because you told me that you've written like 20 books. Yes, I have. I've written and published 20 books, which is a heck of a whole lot. But What kind um, of books are they? Are they fiction, non-fiction? Yeah, most of what I've published so far has been fiction, uh, adult literary fiction and all different kinds of things. Um, but right now what I'm super jazzed about is I'm working on a memoir project that's a very, yeah, it's, it's just a really fun thing for me. And I feel like I have enough distance from the past to be able to speak about it in a way that's both deep and humorous. And um, so I just finished that project and now I'm hoping to, to sell it. So I'm kind of looking for literary agents and publishers at the moment. Um, with that, but that's been a super fun project. I'm doing some developmental editing work for people where they give me their books and I, you know, or their manuscripts rather, and I read them and I give them feedback. And, and so that's, that's fun. Um, and then I'm working on a short film project where uh, um, a director friend of mine and I, we, um, we wrote 13 short short pieces and so now we're in the in the midst of filming them and, wow. and producing them and everything so yes it's, it's so it's so fun and and so creative and then you know I have my everyday my regular clients and and I'm always really thrilled to see what they're able to do in their life and I I get so much inspiration from working with them I, mean, I can't even tell you how much and it, it forces me I mean I think there's a certain accountability right it's like the, the they say that the best way to learn something is by teaching it and I yeah. find that if I'm encouraging people to face their fears and follow their dreams then I don't have much room for fear and self-doubt in my own life because I need to be able to walk the, the talk that I'm preaching yeah so. yeah definitely definitely because there's nothing worse than working with a coach and then you're looking at them and their life and going that doesn't match up what you're telling me to do. You're not doing it. How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah so where do you work with your clients are they online and person and workshops like i do a whole mix i am um you know now i think with the advent of the internet and all of yeah. that it's great because i have clients all over the world and so i work with them via skype um or sometimes with writing we do a, a mix of email and you know and skype um and then I have local clients who I meet with in, in the Philly area, or even some clients in New York and New Jersey who I'll meet with. Um, yeah. But yeah, I feel like distance is not a barrier anymore, which is really nice. Yeah, the world is small now that the internet is connecting us all. Yeah, yeah, definitely, absolutely, yeah. So if people wanted to see some of your work or get in touch with you, where is the best places on social, me social media to find you? Okay, absolutely. So my website is www.daralyslyons.com and I'll spell that. It's D-A-R-A-L-Y-S like Sam, E like Edward, Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S.com. And um, on there, there's links to my Facebook, um, Twitter and Instagram accounts and so people can find me through all those social media outlets and I love hearing from people so there's a yeah. contact on my website they can contact me through that and uh, I'm always happy to, to be in touch. Okay. I'll put links to all of that in the show notes so that people can yeah. find you dead easy. That'd be great, yes. One less you. click and one less search out because there's nothing worse than when you go on to do a search online and then all of a sudden you're like, ooh, over here. And two hours <laughs> later, you're like, what was I doing again? <laughs> well, I will say, Jen, I have a very unique name. So every yeah. once in a while, I'll Google myself and nobody else comes up. So all the links, if you Google my name, all the links, all the links are yours. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're all about me or articles or whatever. So it's, it's a double-edged sword because I can't get away with anything, but it's yeah. very easy to find me. So. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Yeah, my name is like so common. Wilson is the third most common name in Scotland for surnames. Oh and yeah. there are a lot of Jennifers and Jen Wilsons out there as well. So it's like, yeah, I need something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I want to just thank you so much for giving me your time to be on the podcast and reaching out it's been really really good it's been fascinating speaking to you thank oh, you so thank much you. is there anything thank you want to say just before we finish up to the listeners well i want to say to you thank you because it was an honor and a privilege to, to be on yeah to spend this time with you um and i guess to your listeners what i the message i really want to bring to just people in general is that if you're living your authentic self and you're following your purpose and living your dreams, then you're enhancing the world. And so I guess mm -hmm. I, I would want people who are maybe struggling to give themselves permission to do something that they really wanna do, um, I would encourage them to do that thing because I think that's when their light shines brightest and, um, and that's when you know, they can act as a light in the darkness for others. Yeah, I think when some people think that they're following, their, their purpose and their path they think that they're being selfish but they're not because they're given a bigger gift yes yes absolutely because yeah. I think that when we are living our gift we can't help but add value to the world so yeah. it 
to me, it's, it's really like that, you know, again, we're circling back a little to meditation, but it's like you go inward first so that you can be a better person outward. And I think that's just a, a metaphor for all of life. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Oh, that's, that's such a perfect point to finish on. Oh, yeah, thank such you. Such a perfect point to finish on. <laughs>